You're listening to the Brooks Snow Podcast, conversations to help you live in your true identity as the creator of your life. I'm your host, Brooks Snow. You have episode 128, Love Your Enemies. Love is essential to creation. Love transforms how you see, what you say, how you feel, what you do, and who you become in the most gentle and glorious way. As such, increasing our capacity for love is part of the great work of creation. It's part of building Zion and healing the world. As idyllic as this sounds, we all know some people are easier to love than others. (laughs) And in this episode, we are talking about how to love your enemies. And I am turning this scripture on its head in a way you may have never considered before. What I have learned about loving your enemies has forever changed how I view myself, others, and the very nature of who God is. I hope your soul finds delight in this message as much as mine has. If you enjoy this podcast, I know you would love my new app, Co-Create by Brooke Snow. It's available in the Apple and Google app stores. The Co-Create app gives you access to over 100 guided meditations, new yoga classes, and inspirational audio courses to support you in living in your true identity as the creator of your life. You can learn more at brooksnow.com forward slash app. Thank you to everyone who's left a review for this podcast on iTunes. Reviews help the podcast to show up in iTunes when other people are searching for a new podcast. Today's review of the week comes from Laura Liu. She says, I stumbled across this podcast and learned about Brooke about a year ago. I had never heard of her. I jumped in quickly after to take the creation coach course. It has changed my life and it continues to do so. I miss hearing Brooke's Zoom calls since the course is completed, but luckily I have this podcast and the Co-Create app. I can listen to the lessons I learned from the course right in the app over and over again. I recently listened to the podcast episode about signs. That really hit home for me. I realized that the robin was one of my spirit animals. It is a bird that I grew up watching in my grandmother's bird feeder in Michigan. They're not as common where I live now, but I will occasionally see them. They always make me happy when I do. As I was taking my morning walk the other day, there were literally about a dozen robins in a tree and on the wall near my walking path. I know God is showing me that he is there for me when I see them now. Thank you for opening my eyes to this special sign, Brooke. Laura Lou, oh my goodness, this makes me so happy. I love hearing stories about signs that people see in their life. I love hearing the story about the robin being a sign for you. It is so fun once you start to notice these signs because our lives are literally filled with them all day long. It's magical to start to wake up and notice them. So I'm sending you lots more robins. And for those of you wondering about the certification course Laura Lou mentions, we are opening registration on March 11th. And the certification begins on the spring equinox. And she's right. This certification course is absolutely 
life-changing. There will be more details to come in the next few weeks. If you want to be the reviewer of the week, please leave me a five-star review in iTunes and share your favorite takeaway so far. Thank you so much to everyone who has left a review or a rating, or you've shared this podcast with someone else. Please keep it up so we can continue to spread the word. The funny part about writing a book or podcasting or really publishing anything personal is often those publications become a timestamp of who I was and what I believed at a certain point in my life. Yet I am always evolving and changing. This is normal, and anyone who keeps a journal can marvel at reading an older version of yourself from years before. My book is five years old this year. I now understand why authors do newer revised editions. And while I don't have any plans yet to revise my book, there are some things I have changed my beliefs on. So perhaps you might consider this episode a little bit of an addendum or a revised insight into my book. My book is called Living in Your True Identity. You can find it on Amazon and in Deseret Bookstores. And the book is based on the premise that we all have two identities. One is true and one is false. Your true self, scripture refers to as your divine nature. Your false self, scripture refers to as the natural man, or the psychology world would refer to it as your ego. There really is opposition in all things, even in your identity. One identity is true and one identity is false. A primary purpose for our life is to figure out the difference and learn how to become the true self God created us to become. My main goal in writing the book was to help people learn to notice the difference between the two selves and to not identify with the false self because it's not who you really are. This alone can dramatically change people's life and how they feel about themselves. I can learn to notice the difference on how to manage my experience so I don't drag around shame and self-condemnation in the moments when the false self dominates. So, (laughs) what would I actually change about the book? Two main things. First, I would rename the false self. I feel a much more helpful name would be the wounded self. Second, I would show even more compassion for the wounded self. The brook of five years ago was certainly more black and white in how I viewed God, myself, and the world. Since that time, I have been through some significant trauma and heartbreaking life experience. I guess you could say one of the gifts of these painful experiences has been a softening. A softening of my heart and a softening of how I view everything. God, myself, the world, life, people, 
So for the next little bit, I would love to explore my evolution of understanding the false self and how I have softened here. Because honestly, I think this is the identity many people identify with most commonly. This identity can often feel more real or even persistent. And while it's true, we all have a divine nature and a higher self. When you're commonly experiencing a false self that is in pain, that feels shame, that has bad habits, that thinks judgmental thoughts, that is reactive, imperfect, or just plain not enough, the true self can feel far away. As I mentioned earlier, the false self is the natural man identity. As such, we can quickly judge this part of ourself as bad, sinful, or as the Book of Mormon teaches, it is an enemy to God. An enemy! <laughs> an enemy to God! Oh my goodness! If the false self is an enemy to God, then it must certainly also be an enemy to me. It's the part of myself that I must reject. Or as Mosiah says, I must learn to put it off. Let's read the famous scripture that details this in Mosiah chapter 3, verse 19. For the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever unless... He yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord. Let's talk about this enemy relationship first. We humans have a very particular understanding of what an enemy is. Since caveman times, an enemy was a threat to your life. An enemy meant danger or destruction. In this case, this enemy is a threat to your eternal life with God. My old black and white understanding of God was certain that unless I could put off that part of myself, I would not be welcome in the kingdom of heaven. If we humans feel threatened by an enemy, it is by default we assume God must also feel the same. I once heard Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife in a podcast interview describe how our view of God can psychologically only be slightly better than our current view of ourselves. That hit home. It's like we can't comprehend a God that is too far removed from our own current understanding of self. As we grow in love and understanding of our own true nature, by default, our understanding of God expands in kind. It should therefore not be a surprise that believing in a loving, merciful God can feel impossible to someone in deep personal loathing. The gap in your own mind can feel too far of a jump to comprehend. It also doesn't help that scriptures like this can quickly confirm our deepest fears, that we are unworthy, unlovable, and unacceptable to God, that we don't belong, 
that who we are is an enemy because I just can't seem to totally get rid of that part of myself. If you were to take this line of scripture in isolation, it could feel defeating. And I confess this single line that the natural man is an enemy to God, this single line has stood as my literal definition of the false self until only a few months ago. So how does God really feel about enemies, especially his enemies? Recently, as I meditated on this scripture, my view of God was shattered. (laughs) That's happened a few times in my life when I suddenly have an insight that transforms who I believe God to be. The old version shattered to reveal a higher, better version. And it all happened by meditating on how God feels about this enemy of the natural man. You may recall that Jesus himself spoke of enemies during his own ministry. And what did he say? In his Sermon on the Mount, he taught, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For the first time, I connected these two scriptures. This natural man enemy that I have inside myself, that I have assumed my whole life was the version of me that God hated, I suddenly couldn't see it that way any longer. That view shattered. Instead, what I saw was a God who practices what he preaches. A God who loves his enemies. A God who not only loves the true self of who I am, but he also loves the false self. If the natural man is an enemy to God, then God would have love for the natural man. Let that sink in for a moment. How does that feel? It may feel uncomfortable. It may feel utterly amazing. (laughs) It may feel uncomfortable if it doesn't match who you believe God to be. Cognitive dissonance. But isn't God condemning? God can't love the natural man. That's like saying God loves sin. Or God loves and accepts people who are fill in the blank with the typical marginalized person or undesirable trait or sinful behavior. Yet, Jesus was also the one who taught that love was the greatest commandment. And here he is teaching us to love our enemies. It appears that he's not making any exceptions. We are to love everyone. 
This is his invitation to be like God. Love one another. And yes, this means love your enemies. This includes not only the enemy that you find in your neighbor, but also includes the enemy you find inside yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. When I made this connection, God was revealed to be even more glorious than I had previously believed. I instantly felt more love and acceptance from God than I ever have before. Because now, all of me could be loved. Both the true self and the false. God loves both. There's a fear that can arise at this thought of allowing ourselves to believe that God loves the natural man. The fear that if I love the enemy, then the enemy will suddenly overpower me. The enemy will go crazy and self-indulge even more. I can't let this happen, so I must reject the enemy. This is fear. For thousands of years, people have used fear as a method of control. But that which we resist persists. The exact opposite is what happens with love. Fear is what projected the distorted image of an enemy in the first place. But remember, fear conceals and love reveals. When you love the enemy within yourself, your false self is revealed for what it truly is. It's not an enemy at all. It's simply a wounded part of who you are. A wounded child. And how do you help a wounded child to heal? You love the child. You don't condemn it, get rid of it, or cast it out. You ask, what is needed? You get to work with God in loving and healing this wounded part of you back into wholeness. In my own journey of recovering from trauma this past year, my therapist recommended to me the work of Richard Swartz. Richard Swartz is the author of the book, No Bad Parts. It's a book that I highly recommend. Richard noticed in working with his patients that they would often describe their experiences using the words, part of me. You have likely found yourself using this language as well. You might say, part of me wants to do this and part of me doesn't. This language sparked curiosity in Richard to explore further. He began asking his patients to go inward and to identify these parts and speak with these different parts inside. After decades of working with thousands of patients, many of which were even in jail for the most heinous of crimes, he has confidently proclaimed that there are no bad parts. 
thus the title of his book. He says there are no bad parts, only wounded parts of ourself. Perhaps most powerful is that Richard's method for healing these parts of ourself has everything to do with love and acceptance. He says in his book, What I have found is that love is the answer in the inner world, just as it is in the outer world. Listening to, embracing, and loving parts allows them to heal and transform as much as it does for people. Through a Christian lens, people wind up doing in the inner world what Jesus did in the outer. They go to inner exiles and enemies with love, heal them, and bring them home, just as he did with the lepers, the poor, and the outcasts. The big conclusion here is that parts are not what they have been commonly thought to be. They're not cognitive adaptations or sinful impulses. Instead, parts are sacred, spiritual beings, and they deserve to be treated as such. It's all parallel. How we relate in the inner world will be how we relate in the outer. If we can appreciate and have compassion for our parts, even for the ones we've considered to be enemies. We can do the same for people who resemble them. On the other hand, if we hate or disdain our parts, we will do the same with anyone who reminds us of them. Close quote. I have yet to meet a person who doesn't immediately relate with the concept of having parts inside yourself. We've all used this language before. I love this language and I find it so revealing. Think about it. If you have a part of something, it means it has broken away from the whole. We describe sin as separation from God. A part of us has broken away from the wholeness of our divine self. This part broke away and became wounded. Throughout life, we will experience many parts of ourself that separate or break off from the wholeness of our divine self. I may have the seven-year-old part of me that was bullied on the bus and learned not to trust people. I could have the 17-year-old part of me that was rejected by my friends and believed she didn't belong. These parts can, in effect, get frozen in time and hold to their beliefs. Even though I keep getting older and having more life experiences, these parts show up at inopportune moments and cause outbursts or tension in my relationships because they are still wounded and haven't healed. I find it interesting that the remaining half of the verse in Mosiah 3.16 focuses on the need to become as a little child. Could part of our healing the wounded self require us to become as a child, as a reunion of healing the child within the child who separated and is now a part 
from the wholeness of our divine self. For the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord. And, listen here, becometh as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love. It now seems obvious to me that this is how you love the wounded self. As a co-creator with God, you access the power of the atonement of Christ and you become as a child by reuniting with the child within you. You submit, you show meekness, you humbly and patiently offer love to these wounded parts within. So how do you actually go about doing this? Richard Schwartz does this through guided meditations. So of course, I love this process even more. For this reason, I highly recommend getting the audio version of the book so you can listen to the guided meditations he takes you through and you can do this for yourself. I fully plan on creating my own guided meditations for the CoCreate app to help do this as well. The other option is to work with a trained therapist who specializes in IFS, internal family systems. This is the name that Schwartz has given for his model of working with the parts inside you. I have done a lot of parts work in my own personal meditation time, and it has been life-changing, heart-changing, soul-changing. I'm learning to go to these parts inside me that for so long I have seen as the enemy and offer love and compassion instead. For now, I usually identify one of my parts as an emotion. The angry part of me, the anxious part of me, the scarcity part of me. As I explore further, sometimes I connect with a life event or age in which this part separated. Regardless, though, of how much information I have, the process is still the same. In my mind, I imagine this part of me. I see her. I go to the part and speak to her. I offer feelings of love, forgiveness, compassion, and empathy. I invite her back to safety. See, say, feel, do. The final phrase of the verse concludes the discourse of becoming as a child by speaking of submission. It says, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child doth submit to his father. Because I am a woman, I will rephrase this to say, even as a child doth submit to her mother. When I do the work of going inward and loving the wounded part of myself, what it feels like I am doing is mothering 
myself. I'm parenting the wounded child within me in a loving way. For a man, it would be fathering in a loving way. This willingness for the child to submit to the father or to the mother is akin to being willing to not be a separate part anymore. Submission becomes a reunion. A wholeness is restored. We become one. The wounded child trusts the loving mother or father enough to come back. When you do this work of co-creation with heaven by your side, you not only learn to love yourself back into wholeness, you learn so much about the true character of God. Friends, God loves all parts of you, even and perhaps especially the natural man, the wounded self. I believe this because this is what Jesus teaches. He teaches us to love our enemies. This is how together with Christ, you heal yourself. You cannot heal a part of you that you reject and cast away. That's not love. That's fear. Love is what heals and transforms and reunites. Wholeness isn't so much an experience of the bad being cast out as it is healing the wounded part and reuniting to become whole again. Loving that part enough for it to feel safe to come back. Loving that part enough to teach it what is true so it can let go of the false beliefs or false traditions that have held it hostage and separated for so long. The hallmark mantra I teach all of my meditation students is the I love and accept you mantra. Interestingly, the most common resistance my students have to this mantra is not usually the I love you part. It's the acceptance part. They are afraid to accept the parts of themselves they have judged as bad or wicked. This is the enemy. However, true love and acceptance go hand in hand. I cannot offer love and rejection. It's like trying to force a round peg through a square hole. This is the number one misunderstanding I have had of who God is. How can God love us but also reject us? Knowing that God loves the enemies inside of me has solved this mystery for me. God really does love all of me. And God loves all of you. This is how God heals you. But the full healing does not take place until you can love all of you. To do this is to become like God. To love and accept yourself completely means loving the enemies. Love the wounded self. Doing so brings healing and wholeness 
that you seek. As you do this for yourself, you gain the ability to do it for others. You learn to love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. See it. Say it. Feel it. Do it. Become it. You are a creator. Now go co-create something great. If you love this podcast and you want to create more love for yourself, I know you would love the creation course. It is my flagship personal transformation course, and it is now included as part of the subscription for the CoCreate app for only $11.11 a month. To celebrate our launch of the new app, I am doing something I've never done before, and I'm giving away a one-on-one coaching session with me and my team. I currently don't accept one-on-one clients, so this is a rare treat for us and hopefully also for someone else as well. Anyone subscribed to the app by February 23rd, 2023 will be eligible for the drawing. Thank you so much for your support. To learn more about the app, you can visit the link in the show notes or go to brooksnow.com forward slash app.